Wait, now I can hear you. Yeah, me? Yes. Nice. Okay. Okay. Good. What's hey, up, bud? It's good to see you. You too, man. How have you been? Fucking just living life in quarantine. So, Although it's been a few years since I've seen you, so, but I mean, yeah, doing good. Man, it's been a couple of years, hasn't it? Right? When did you leave? 2018? Damn. So, yeah, a yeah, couple of years. I think so. Are you still in the same place? Yes, sir. Right. I had to have my buddy Matt move in once Sarah joined the Air Force. How long has she been so, gone? Uh, she left like two days before Thanksgiving. The Monday before Thanksgiving. Damn, okay. Have you seen her at all since then? Yes, I did go to her basic training graduation, which right was on. at the end of January. Right on. And I was supposed to go there last weekend, but with this whole quarantine shit, I couldn't go. I had to get everything refunded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know how that is. I had a bunch of stuff that I had to, you know, that's quarantine, right? Yep, exactly. Fucking, so I was going back through and uh, listening to the podcast you posted. Yeah, right on. Oh, man. The Twister one is so funny. I don't know if you saw what I posted on Instagram. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Okay. Yeah, that that part made me laugh so fucking hard. I forgot all about it. That's why I posted the uh, Twister one first, because I was cracking up the whole time I was editing it. Dude, it's been a blast to go through and listen to them because I only had those those that are up. Those are the ones that I had in my drive, so I've been editing them, and it, the Twister one cracked me the fuck up. I think the Scream one is really good, too. Scream one is good. I didn't – I think I have, like, 30 minutes left on it. Right on. 17 minutes left. Uh, there's so much more that I want to say in the Scream one, especially about Scream 2, and I don't feel like I get to say – what I like more of what I want to say. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast, though, right? Totally. I always I feel that way at the end of almost every sentence that I listen to of mine. Where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like that came out quite right. I, I wish what I meant to say was this other thing, and but I'm kind of close to what I'm, eh, you know. No, it is. Fucking, what did you think of that? Uh, I really liked it, man. Yeah, let's do a movie catch up. Do yeah. you want, should we do a quick intro? Do you want to get right into it? Let's catch up real quick. Let's talk about some newer movies. Or okay. do you want to do that in the podcast? Yeah, let's throw it in. Why not? Okay, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just throw in a quick intro right quick, and we can do it from there. If we want to do another intro later on, we can do that too. But let's just give it a shot. Let's do it. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, this is the – sorry, let me try again. Hey, everybody. This is The Cinema Nerd Presents, made in the 90s. We're going to talk about – a really fun movie, but first we're going to talk about a lot of movies because Dylan and I are old friends who haven't seen each other in a really long time. I'm Kyle, the cinema nerd. Dylan Shore, another cinema nerd. <laughs> That's right. Um, man, so I miss you, buddy. It's good to see you. I'm weathering this thing the way that uh, we all are, just watching a ton of movies. So, yeah, you asked me what I thought of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. I liked it a lot, man. I, it's maybe my favorite Tarantino. It's probably that one or Jackie Brown. Yeah, those are, those are my two. Right on. Somebody asked the other day, what's the coolest scene in Once Upon a Time? And my response was just anytime Brad Pitt is driving his car. 
<laughs> totally. You just get that LA vibe. Dude. Oh, it's it made me perfect. really miss the city a lot. Oh, I bet. It, it, uh, it. Oh, I loved it. They filmed just so, like, I saw them filming. Yeah, you were gone already. Yeah. I think they were filming right when I was leaving. Okay. I remember a shot down Hollywood Boulevard that, like, either derailed me or derailed somebody I was talking to, you know, had to take the, the long way around because Tarantino was filming his thing. Definitely. But yeah, the shot of Brad Pitt and Margaret Qualley in the car, it's just a, like, it's as he's taking her to Spawn Ranch. Right on. But there's a wide shot of them pulling onto the 101 and it's the 101 ramp right here next to my apartment yeah. complex. And you can yeah, see my apartment complex in the background. Yeah, I was getting nostalgic for sure. <laughs> also, man, Leo, you know, I'm not going to say anything new about this movie, but Leo is just so, so, so good. So good. Everyone is good in it. The soundtrack's good. The writing's great. The ending is fucking, fucking amazing. A lot of fun, right? Yes. Yeah, well, we'll talk more Tarantino when we get to True Romance here in a minute. Um, yep. What else has stood out for you lately? It's been it's been a while, man. So this could be quite a catch up. What was yeah. the different question? What was the last one you saw in theaters before everything got shut down? Invisible Man. Same. Oh, really? Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Which I liked a lot of. Thought uh, actually, I I liked the whole film. I just thought it was predictable. Sure. Like, I guessed everything that was coming. I liked its ending, and I thought it was very plausible with how they developed that whole new Invisible Man idea. Yeah, totally. I, I like that. I think the... I like Lee Winnell as well, so I, I can't wait to see where his career goes with directing. Dude, he is the highlight of that movie. It's so confident, so staid, and just, like, the, the, the way that he conveys the presence of the Invisible Man is... Great. Uh, arresting you know hence yeah. and and makes me sit forward yeah I, I really dug it a lot i had problems i had problems with the end kind of from a pacing and sort of like tropey uh yeah 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 totally but i guess that's horror movies i don't know i wrote about it actually on the website so my reviews there on the cinemanerd.com oh uh but i liked it a lot i really did uh and if it's the yeah yeah one of the last ones i saw in the theater so it was a pretty good time and then I did, like, you know, they did all the early releases for some theater films. Yeah, I caught up with, oh, Downhill so far. But I have the, a handful of them waiting for me. So don't say too much about Emma or Bloodshot or... Oh, yeah, definitely. What have you watched? Okay, so first, I haven't watched Downhill okay. only because... I love Force Majeure. I think it's a Majeure. perfect film, a perfect movie. Okay. And I was just kind of dreading seeing Downhill. I like the directors and I love Will Ferrell and Julia, but man, I don't know. I think it's to, you can buy it now on Amazon. So I, I might end up doing that. If I thought Downhill was okay at best, should I still watch Force Majeure? Oh, you should, it will redeem that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've only heard good things about the original. Force Majeure is perfect. It's, it might suck now that you know the 
the development of the story. Although I don't know how close they stick to the original. Like what's, oh, we might get into some spoilers here, but I'm curious, how does uh, the American one end? Um, yeah, I mean, heavy spoilers for Force Majeure, uh, or I mean, I guess well, downhill, technically. Um, she, it's downhill. Yeah, downhill is the movie I'm talking about currently. She uh, sort of plays... Does it involve a bus? What's that? Does the ending of downhill involve a bus? Not that I recall, no. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's pretty anticlimactic. She like she takes a knee on the bunny hill and starts calling out for the dad, and then confronts him like, "This is this is so that our kids still respect you, but fuck you, in my eyes." And then there's another ten minutes of movie, but that's kind of it. What? I mean, I, <laughs> this sounds fucked I, I kind of checked out. It's. It, you know, I love Farrell and play. I love uh, Julia uh, Louis Dreyfus, but that movie was just—it's it, flat. You know, and I really love Zach Woods, and there's a nice scene with Zach Woods and Will Farrell in that movie, but mostly it's—you eh, know—I can't believe I talked about it this much. It's not worth talking about. Okay, then please watch Force Majeure because okay. what you just described as an ending was sounded very odd and the oh the original ending is so good and it plays on the whole plot of the story of him right getting scared and running away there oh god it's so brilliant and you just got to watch it. i'm trying okay. not to give anything away yeah i'm willing to believe it's much better than this movie because you're you know you're not the only person who said very good things about force major and yes yeah. i got a copy of it around so i'll, I'll take a look fuck yeah it's, yeah, it, like the honestly, the appeal of Force Majeure was enough to get me and my wife to sit down and put on Downhill last night because she was like, I don't know, I want to watch something light. And I was like, well, I heard the original version of this movie was really good. Eh? <laughs> and then that's how it ended. Eh? I also watched uh, Birds of Prey. I thought that was a lot of fun, man. I really I did it. too. I did too. I think it might be the best modern dc movie yeah it seems almost certain yeah because i wasn't the biggest fan of wonder woman like i liked the first half didn't like the second half i like uh, wonder woman but i don't remember any of it you know I yeah, yeah. No... i remember how shitty the ending was <laughs> with the cgi God. the plane oh i don't even remember a plane yeah I remember Chris Pine flying very high. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, yeah, Birds of Prey, a lot of fun. Ewan McGregor in it is <laughs> yeah. hilarious. He's having a blast. I mean, he calls he? Harley a fucking moron. Oh, my God. I, I like, rolled over with laughter. I, it just, he plays it so fucking perfect. He plays the whole thing just like the, like a stompy toddler. He's having a lot yeah, of fun. Very flamboyant, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly very flamboyant. I really love the stuff with, like, the, you know, big and loud and colorful. So the, the set piece in the beginning with the chemical factory explosion that's 27 shades of neon. and the, Although she probably killed a bunch of people in that explosion. <laughs> I, you know, I'm okay with mass murder in a comic book movie. I don't 
you know. Fair. Um, Fair. Especially in one that's a, like that has a rollerblade, you know, sketching scene. <laughs> and a glitter gun and yeah I, dude I, yeah i had a blast with that movie i did too uh in the same vein i saw sonic and that movie is also a ton of fun i was gonna watch it i might do that here soon i want to see it i've heard if you're a sonic fan you will more than likely enjoy it it's not a perfect movie but uh i do want to check that movie. out but if, if if you're a 90s fan if you're an hey guys if you're a fan of 90s stuff sonic is totally worth it sonic's totally worth it yeah jim carrey is having a fucking blast he's having the time of his life in there and james marsden is great and what is ben schwartz as sonic is a blast and they do some really cool stuff they basically uh take the quicksilver scene and raise it to a a motif it's like kind of the whole movie is sonic going back and forth playing with himself it's well let me rephrase that anyways it, it's a lot of fun <laughs> uh so i gotta watch that i watched the way back the uh, uh, play basketball movie yeah how is it pretty good actually like it's not a lot of the reviews like i don't tend to read a lot of reviews but headlines obviously catch my attention and they were like oh it's like Hoosiers and uh Coach Carter and it's like comparing it to all these other movies and it's quite different from all yeah it hits similar beats but it's directing and it's editing is done very differently to where like it's not about basketball it's truly about the characters so you basketball action barely like you oh really you see you don't even see the first game it goes straight to the scoreboard and then you see scoreboards up to like game 10 and then game 10 you see you know a good few minutes of and then you don't see any games until you don't see them take this route like this usually pretty good worth watching what was and, let's take this in a different direction what was what do you think is the best movie you've seen in the last uh, you know since we saw each other just you know throw out a few titles you don't have to say the single one but what's some stuff that really sticks in your brain uh there's a there's a couple so once upon a time in hollywood was my favorite of last year right i've now seen it probably 20 times <laughs> it, it's so good damn you uh, love that movie i really liked <clears throat> uncut gems Oh, dude, I loved Uncut Gems. Yeah. (laughs) I want to tell this story out loud on a podcast because I've told anybody who will pay attention to me. I watched it here on a screener, and there's that scene. It's So at a certain point, he gets the call from the doctor about the test that he's taking in the beginning, and Boots Riley is in there screaming about his watches, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got to that scene, and I realized that I had the remote in my hand and I was doing this. And for listeners, I'm like gesturing towards a screen with a remote, but I didn't do anything. I just had my finger hovering above the volume button. And I took a second to be like, wait, what the fuck is happening? So I paused the movie, looked at the remote and realized I was trying to turn down the volume on Boots Riley because I was <laughs> trying to hear the phone call which ultimately doesn't matter, but I was like, that's the level of engagement that I had with this movie. So then 
I got up That's to go funny. to the bathroom because now I've paused this movie and I'm like, all right, we're in the home stretch of this thing. Final 20 minutes. You can't get more tension into one scene than just happened that made me physically try to drown out a single character so I could hear another one. And there's still an hour of that movie. It, dude, I really, really dug it. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. I agree. Um, I really liked a film called The Souvenir. You know what? I didn't get a chance to, to catch up with that one. That was a very well done film. Loose. Loose was incredible. I, no, I didn't catch up with that one either. What, what's that? Uh, it's, uh, man, it's a little bit of a, a, there's a release delay and sometimes stuff just does not make it here. So unless I'm very yeah. active about tracking down the indie scene in the U.S., I'm just not going to know. Makes sense. Loose, though, is Tim Roth, Naomi Watts. Right and uh, it's based on a play, and I can't remember the director's name, nor can I remember its lead kid's name. But he's in um, Waves that came uh, out this okay. past year as well, yeah, which if you didn't see, oh my God, it's a uh, I ha- emotional, tear-jerking movie. It's so good. Okay. But uh, it's about how he he's black and he was adopted into a very liberal white family. Loose, yeah. Huh? Loose? Loose. Yeah. Okay. Loose. And his parents named him Loose for some reason, but he came from like a a war-torn country and was raised as a child soldier but then got out at like the age of 10 and started living with this very liberal family they got him uh you know uh, a lot of help and he's become this like straight a student uh and of like a the epitome like a a, a great student that's all i'll say okay. and his teacher octavia spencer uh has them write a paper on a philosophy that they disagree with i believe that was the that was the thing but he ended up writing about how violence is a good thing like it it can be a cleansing tool and coming from his past she took takes it kind of seriously and it starts this whole shitstorm okay. of uh, controversy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. it. Did you see The Art of Self-Defense? Yeah, I just watched it a few days ago. Right on. Like a lot. Yeah, so just in terms of another movie that's really interested in violence and what it yes. means to the individual and us as a, a society. I, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, I did too. Uh, speaking of... Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. Yeah. Did you see? You might not have seen it yet, but because it, it was just released, but it's called Vivarium. No, I haven't. Have seen you heard it. of it? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it though. Okay. Uh, yeah, you gotta watch Vivarium. Right. It's on. very good. Okay, I'll give that one a go. I'm trying to think of anything that's like really stood out to me in the last, you know, since we've been uh, since we've been gone, Dylan. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was really good. Dude, Portrait of a Lady on Fire was really good. That's yeah. the, that's an example of the kind of movie, and it's sort of, um, I guess the favorite would broadly be another version of this, where it's like, I don't, I don't give a shit about a costume drama. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the portrait of a lady on fire is that movie is directed you know they, it just is yeah. one of the best things i've ever seen and the way it it compels me to study the detail of the the canvas that she's working with unreal uh, yeah beautiful beautiful film i agree so yeah i mean there's definitely a lot more that i've watched but those are some bigger ones that i've really enjoyed right on um, I'll, I guess I'll call out a couple since they haven't come up yet, but we got to shout out Parasite. It was so fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Um, I loved Jojo Rabbit. I loved Jojo Rabbit. It was my number one of last year. I get Really? Yeah, I get why people might not love that movie. I think there's two good reasons to not love that movie. Obviously, the Nazi stuff, but we can move past it. And yeah, the kind of, like, tweeness, the 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 schmaltz of it is maybe keeping some people at distance, but I just... So I've still only seen it once, okay. and I liked it. I, I thought it was very sweet, but there was just something about it. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really need to, like, see it again. I like, I like Taika's other films more than JoJo. Fair enough, and I'm a shameful neophyte on Taika. And which is like really getting me roasted over here because some of my best friends are from New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Watch Hunt for the Wilder People and Boy. And Boy, Those yeah. So I've actually, so before, in the before times, we actually had a double feature scheduled with all these guys and those two movies because they're kind of the blind spots. Like I, I saw What We Do in Shadows and obviously the Thor movie and, you know, love both of them. Mm -hmm. um, but the. So I think Jojo Rabbit is a very sweet movie. I think what it maybe, maybe it does get enough credit for this, but what gets overlooked in the conversation of its sort of saccharine nature is how well balanced it is. Taika Waititi is doing so many things at once, especially towards the end of that movie in that last scene where you're like laughing and crying and a little concerned about, not more than a little concerned, there's bombs going off. It's an action sequence that's hilarious and sad all at once. It's a masterful job of directing and scripting. It's a great movie. Anyways, I loved it a lot. I thought the best part about the movie was Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's so good in that movie. I just watched Iron Man 2 because I've been kind of like, oh, now is a good time to revisit the Marvel collection. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say this about Iron Man 2. It's the Tony Stark that we all think of as Tony Stark. And it's Sam Rockwell being Sam Rockwell. That movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Iron Man 2 in forever. It's, you know, put it on in the background. It's fun. They're fun movies. Fair. Should we talk about True Romance? Yeah, so uh, let's dive right into it. You should start because you've never seen it. No, this is the first time view for me. Wow. Okay, so oh. let me back up a step. I put on something recently. My wife and I have been working on Amazon. Okay, damn it. I just tried to say 20 things. <laughs> In the UK, Amazon Prime has a lot of kind of dad movies. Okay. So Heat and Carlito's Way, and uh, Spy Game, and yeah, and like The Client, like so Grisham stuff, and Tony Scott stuff, and 
Michael Mann stuff. And I was really delighted to find out recently that my wife's favorite genre of movie is dad movie. She loves heat. So we've been watching stuff like this. And I realized when we put on, I think it was Spy Game. And that's, you know, not a great movie. It's not a bad movie. I really like Spy Game. Don't get me wrong, it lags in certain parts of the movie, but I thoroughly enjoy watching it. Operation Dinner Out, man. What's that? Operation Dinner Out. That's the <laughs> that's the that's what it's called to get Brad Pitt out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. The, the, and that's based on the whole conceit that he's calling his secretary and pretending she's his <laughs> wife. And I, like, so I had a blast watching that movie. I think it's fun in some places and kind of trouble in some other places. But I realized watching it that I so. I'm just going to say it. I think Tony Scott is my favorite director. I don't think he's the best director, but if I'm just going to throw on a movie Saturday afternoon because I'm hungover or Friday midnight because I've just gotten home or Tuesday afternoon because I'm trying to get some work done or because I just, you know, you're in good hands. They're going to be entertaining movies. They don't have a ton on their mind. But they have a great flair to them. They're just so watchable. They're so... Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I agree. So uh, I really enjoyed True Romance uh, overall. and But it, my arc was very arm's length through the first half of it to, like, yes, just put it <laughs> in my eyeballs by the end of it. Mm-hmm. So that's this was my first time watching True Romance. I wasn't super sure, and I ended up thinking it's, you know, pretty. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's Tony Scott's best movie for me. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the Taking of Pelham One Two Three? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the original, which is a it's a good movie. It's not like perfect, but That's actually, it's a really good movie. And I, actually, I really like it. And its ending is really smart, in my opinion. That's how I feel about the remake. Oh, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what's your, let me, I want to make a prediction, which is that growing up, maybe you said this, maybe this is not a prediction, but I'll bet you've seen this movie a thousand times, and it was probably your favorite movie growing up, or at least one of three that were in very heavy rotation. You are on the nose. It was one of many that was on heavy rotation. Yeah, I love this movie. Right on. When we, so you saw it when you were like a, a, a kiddo, like a little tiny kid. Yeah, probably, hmm, probably like fifth, sixth grade. Right on. So maybe, maybe, dude, it might have been like fourth grade. <laughs> so that you like, you would have I don't have a clear, distinct memory of the first time watching it, but I do remember seeing it at a very young age. Right on. And you, I'm sure you loved it to... <laughs> okay. You love it to uh, start from, and you continue to love it to this day. Oh, my God, yeah. I, 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 a I lot was, of my notes, I'm just like, damn, this movie's good. This movie is good. <laughs> if I was a, like a... So in fourth grade, what, that makes you like, oh, pretty fucking young. Yeah, if I was like nine or 10 years old, I would be completely enamored with this movie. Although it gets crazy violent. Dude, it gets 
crazy at the hotel or uh the the inn the safari inn when yeah get beat the fuck up well we're going way ahead but yeah that scene is brutal brutal Um, so okay and you when was the last time you saw it before now um probably a few years ago sound uh, a lot of the score though i have on a playlist okay so i listen to the score quite a bit which we will jump into okay so where do you want to start i have a question would you fuck elvis all right (laughs) is that what we're gonna cut out all right buddy i'm back you there yep i'm here right on cool uh okay sorry where were we all right well let's just start from the beginning of the movie okay okay so directed by tony scott written by quentin tarantino one of his first spec scripts that he wrote to get out there and get his name in the business it feels like it it yeah that was my whole reaction to the front end of this movie is it it just feels like quentin tarantino wish fulfillment Totally. It has hints of every one of his movies to come after that. Sure. Like, uh, whether, like, dialogue references or characters, martial arts, <laughs> fucking yeah. violence. But, uh, so... It feels like even more than that, it, and I guess, yeah, more than that, it feels like Slater as almost a direct mouthpiece for Tarantino. Like, I feel like... Oh, yeah, yeah watching Tarantino write his version of the, the movie guy that he wants to be. I actually... I wrote that down. I said, opening convo in bar. Definitely who Tarantino is. It's <laughs> <laughs> the opening convo in the bar. It's the whole way around. Like, at, I think Sean Penn and Sizemore, when they finally get into the action, they're talking to their chief in some way that's like, you know, they're talking about yep. movies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, fucking, uh, what is it? Coming home in a body bag? <laughs> the movie that he directed? Yeah. They're yeah. like, he's like, he made Coming Home in a Body Bag. Oh, wow, that's a good fucking movie. Great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. That's what he says. Yeah, great fucking movie. Um, okay, let's start there. So even since we're still right in the very beginning and those guys are in the very end, this thing is a yeah. murderer's row, man. The cast, Sam Jack is in this movie for one scene. He shows up and gets killed. and Sizemore's in this movie and doesn't show up until an hour in with Chris Penn. I, it goes on from there. Gary Oldman's only in this it movie. It goes on for fucking ever. The, the cast is stacked. It's unreal, dude. I really dig this thing. So, it's opening credits. The theme song that is playing the, like, it's almost like a xylophone. Almost. It's a marimba, man. Let's talk about it now. Okay, so, Hans Zimmer uh, yeah. did that, did yeah. that piece. Yeah. And it's, have you ever seen Badlands? I have not seen Badlands. Okay, it, love that movie. It might be my uh, favorite Malick. Uh, but he was 100% inspired by the theme of Badlands. They are almost identical. I implore you to pull up a YouTube video and listen to both versions. They have one combined together. They sound so similar. Uh, But then again, this is like a Badlands type of movie. Like the two young kids go on the run. 
after uh, some murders and yeah. Sure. That, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Be- so I don't like the score of this movie. I think sometimes, I think it works when it's really kind of mellow and simmering and he's just like rolling on the marimbas, especially in some of the, the more conflict filled dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. It does add something. But when we pull out to the, you know, driving down the highway off into the sunset or anything kind of celebratory and it's that dun, 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 dun. I find it really distracting and kind of atonal. It, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it <laughs> I, I don't know what they're trying to do there. It didn't work for me, man. Oh, I love it. The song, do you know what the song is called? No. You're so cool. You're so cool. God damn. I mean, that, <laughs> that I do love this movie because there's tons of those moments where like, oh my God, if, and so, all right, brag, I'm married, but Ooh. my wife is really sweet about like passing me a little note here and there. And it's the greatest thing. So if I were about to go into the most tense situation in my life and this like <laughs> Patricia Arquette is telling me how damn cool I am, I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm about to sell a bunch of Coke. My girl's with me. <laughs> It's a dream. Hell yeah. So he go, Clarence is Christian Slater. He goes to, it's, it's his birthday. He goes to a triple feature of Sonny Chiba movies who acts in Kill Bill. He's a Tori Hanzo. Okay. And while he's there, he meets this woman named Alabama. Meets is an understatement. Yeah, she, she. on him. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, she was hired by his boss. Which uh, is a reveal that comes a little late because for the first 10 minutes of this movie, you're like, so she's a crazy person? Or like, I guess he's going along with it. But, you know, it's so telegraphed that to not talk about it right away is like, what the, f- what is happening right now? Well, so Tarantino's script actually is written in typical Tarantino fashion. Hey, buddy, I'm sorry. I will be right back. Okay, no worries. I'll pause this thought. All right. Deliveries are accepted. Food is cooked. Wine is poured. I'm in this thing. Sweet. Sorry, where were you? What time is it there? Uh, it's like 6 a.m. Nice. No, it, I'm, it's, it's uh, almost 6 a.m. Wait, okay, wait. <laughs> <We're> f- <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. It's like fucking almost 9 a.m. here. <laughs> or it is 9 a.m. What am I talking about? So the screenplay right. is written in typical Tarantino fashion to where it's out of order. Okay. So the script, you get all the Drexel stuff first, Gary fucking Oldman, dude. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, but uh, I, I can't remember because it's been a while since I listened to Tarantino's commentary on the movie. But I'm pretty sure all the Drexel stuff comes first. And then you jump back to Clarence and uh, Clarence meeting Alabama. And somehow from there, it goes on. I'm not quite sure how else it was out of order, though. Okay. But I do remember him saying that. And then when Tony Scott got it, he's like, I want to put everything in order. Yeah, and start with our heroes. That's a good idea. 
It's fair. Sure. Don't start on a guy you're about to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Gary Oldman now, since we're Let's here. do it. I, so I, I'm half in and half out on him, which is kind of where this movie, because his stuff is all up front, I guess maybe that's kind of why I'm half in and half out on him. His hair is entirely insane, but his scars yeah. are totally badass. And his accent work is questionable not because of what he's doing necessarily like i get that he's a, a white guy who thinks he's a black guy because he's wants to whatever um yeah. but he kind of drops in and out of it. it it doesn't seem like he has it entirely under control so sometimes it feels yeah a little unsteady how about that fair I still dig his performance. I dig any Gary Oldman performance. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen him in Tiptoes? <laughs> no. Is that the... Oh, wait. What's Do the Anthony know? Hopkins magic one? Is that what I'm thinking of? Ant the one where... Like, magic? Where he has the, the puppet? He's the ventriloquist? Yeah. That's not Tiptoes. No. Okay. You don't know what Tiptoes is. No, <laughs> I, I okay, feel like okay. I'm going to go, oh, right. Okay, well, pause a second on True Romance. Tiptoes is um, a film starring Matthew McConaughey, Gary Oldman, uh, Kate, uh, Kate Beckinsale, a few others are in it too. Peter Dinklage is in it. But Gary like Oldman plays a dwarf. And oh, McConaughey was born into oh. a family of dwarves. And it that is a movie. bananas movie. You've seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does Dinklage play uh, himself? No. Okay. No, that would be weird. <laughs> Sorry, I was going, I bailed on the even weirder joke, which is that Dinklage plays a full-size man. Damn. They should have did that. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Okay, back to True Romance. Um, so the movie theater they're at, I know it's kind of hard to recognize, but that is a theater you have been to. Oh, it did look familiar. It's the Vista. Oh, right on. Yeah, they just made it look like Detroit. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Good deal. Uh, yeah. You know what's weird about the Vista? Let's go on a tangent. Have you? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. I'm thinking of the Los Feliz 3. I mean, it, it, they're owned by this. The, they're a sister company, I believe. I yeah, maybe. And they're right around the corner. They're right around the corner. So I'll go uh, right around the corner with this tangent, which is to say there's, it, maybe it, it's got to be screen three at Los Feliz. The one that feels like you're on an airplane. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a long, narrow theater, and it's the, it's the small screen. Oh, it's, oh so Los Feliz, the Vista is one screen. Yeah, yeah. It's a massive, it's a pretty big auditorium. Yeah, no, no, the Vista rules. I, I was thinking of the... Los anyway. Feliz. Yeah. Gotcha. Los Feliz also rules, but there is a, a screen in there that is just this closet, long... Oh, yeah. Watching yes. a movie on a bus or something, it's terrible. Yeah. I think you're thinking of theater two or three. Yeah. Because they are very tiny. Their number one theater, though, is yeah, it's not yeah. bad. Okay. It's still tiny. Yeah. 
let's go to the Vista. All right. All right. Okay, so, so there's Vista. a point early in this movie where I kind of start checking out. And it's the billboard blanket scene. Her confession, I love her confession. At that scene I wrote, I love Alabama. She's so sweet. I love Alabama. I, don't get me wrong. We all love Alabama. You'd have to be a total, how could you not? Yeah. But so we'll broaden this out a little bit, which is to say that I don't, I really don't, I, this is the most I've enjoyed Patricia Arquette ever by a long, long margin. I generally find her um, too quiet to be in movies. But even then, she's, she's kind of like Daryl Hannah, where when she's emoting, although Daryl Hannah's kind of come into her own as of late, I really have liked her in a few more recent performances. But I, anyways, I, I just don't, I never got it. I don't get it here even is the most I liked her. But in that scene, I'm completely over it. And because it's so much like <laughs> Quentin Tarantino <laughs> uh, barfing onto a page is the least gross metaphor I'm going to go with there. But I'm going to disagree because I love that scene. I love when she says, I'm not some washed up goods. It's so, so where this movie ends up, I'll forgive that scene because I think this movie is just like punch, punch, flash, cool guy, you know, the movie. So for her to be speaking in what is barely subtext is rough. You know what I mean? Like it's bad scripting, it's bad writing. And I don't think she's a great, I don't love her performance. I'll say that. It, uh, it, no, uh, no, sorry, sorry. I want to back up a little bit. I, I do really like her performance. I don't love her as a performer. So when it goes way over the top, and she's not alone here. I don't love, I, I'm throwing everybody under the bus. I don't love Christian Slater either. So I, I mean, I'm not a big Slater guy either, but I like him in a few movies. I like movies that he's in. The only movie that I've really liked him in, oh, too, although, because I do think he's really good here. This is kind of like, oh, I'm trying to say too many things again. I also like him in The Heathers, of course. But this performance from Slater reminds me of, uh, I watched Moonstruck recently. Great movie. Great movie. And it, it's the Cage performance that, to me, defines Cage, Cage because it goes all the way up but really dials into yeah, yeah, some yeah. mellow, kind of reserved, very emotional. My hand. <laughs> I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his bride. <laughs> uh, uh, and Olympia Dukakis, listen, Moonstruck is phenomenal. I love Moonstruck. Yeah, I love Moonstruck, um, and I wasn't expecting to. My point is that Nicolas Cage does that thing where he goes all the way up and can go all the way down and really convey that. And that was the performance that sold that for me. I've always really liked Cage, but mm -hmm. the way that he handles the humanity and the way that he handles the insanity at, in the same performance is really something. And Slater can do that too. 
And this is the most that I've liked Slater because he's he gets what movie he's in and he's doing it, man. Man, so, you left off a good Slater performance. What's that? You left off a good Slater performance. Uh, a made in the nineties <laughs> that we have done. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 <laughs> Broken Arrow, everyone. So I. I'll sum up my thoughts about the beginning of this movie and then I want to get into Slater a little bit. My point is to say that at the beginning of this movie, it's Tarantino at max Tarantino, but also really unformed Tarantino. He doesn't have the wisdom of the career that he has put together at this point in his career. It's also Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette who are not performers that I find magnetic or generally go out of my way to see what they're doing so for the first 20 minutes i'm kind of like all right guys what are, what are we doing here can we make the movie go already because i'm not sure if i know this is supposed to be great and then it goes and i'm like oh yeah no this is fucking great but i'm a little on the fence to begin with Okay. So Slater, it, he, like you mentioned, this is his second appearance on Made in the 90s, which makes him maybe our, we should maybe start tracking this, but he's like the leading contender for most valuable player or like, you know, so far we got two Slaters. Two Slaters. And then you can't count both screens though. Cause like, it doesn't, uh, they got to be different movies uh yeah no i think you're right so i'll i'll go through it and next time we talk we'll I'll, I'll i'll let you know where we're at but he's got a real i mean obviously some 80s stuff but he was a 90s guy you know he made a bunch of yeah. movies and now he's doing some tv and you know and see him but he was always such a weird presence even in the 90s like he he's not a movie star guy but he's not really a character actor either like what's his i don't know what's your read on slater i agree with a lot of what you're saying i do think he he can be a strong presence though i like i i don't dislike him i find him enjoyable to watch in movies like the the few i'm thinking of like the broken arrow uh very bad things i like uh and that's just a fucking crazy movie and yeah, i don't know he pump up the volume Do me a favor. yeah stop clicking your pen because it's gonna come oh. on the edit oh god okay no more pen yes so slater i enjoy him in a quite a few movies don't think he ever got like the perfect role that could really show what he can do. If anything, it's true romance in a way. I think this is his best movie. Yeah, it's it's this or Heather's, right? They're they're very similar in their characters in a way to me. Obviously, yeah, actually, they're both fucking crazy. What am I talking about? Yeah, but um, this guy. It's been a while since I've seen the Heather's, but I guess Heather. He's more of a bad boy. He's not, and in True Romance, he's a nerd who becomes a bad boy. And he also, so, okay, this brings up a question that I have about this movie. Is he legitimately unhinged? Like that stuff with Elvis, you know? Say that all again. I didn't hear any of it. So the Elvis stuff in the beginning, yes. it makes me wonder if this guy is truly, 
is he having a break from reality? Or is that just kind of motif stuff? Like, are we supposed to read this guy as a nerd that's in too deep? Or are we supposed to read him as somebody who's really experiencing a major psychotic episode? Well, back to True Romance, yeah? True Romance. Um, Where were we? It's been a moment. You know, the last thing I don't have scratched off is... uh, Val Kilmer as the king. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. Like, uh, it, it, like how, how big of an actor was Val Kilmer at this point? Like, because it's such, he's such a big actor in the 90s that to have such a, you don't see his face. It's his voice and a bunch of silhouetted blurs. Like, uh, I was almost, uh, I was very curious if he was approached that way. Like, we're not going to show you at all. We just want you to be there as a voice and a presence in, in Slater's head. I could see that going either way. I, I could see that actually going one of three ways. I could see them shooting Val Kilmer as full-on Elvis and yeah. deciding maybe it didn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> I could see them talking about I could see both of them pitching it and I could see both of them liking it, meaning Kilmer and the production team for mm-hmm. different reasons because Kilmer got into some, you know, wild stuff. He, he would take on a role like that where he's not seen at all and just is a part of... Yeah, that's why a part of me would kind of believe that. Like, that's how it's written and that's what he's doing. Like, he seems like the actor that wouldn't put up a fight for such a great director and even a great screenplay. And he's also like a. This is not the first time that he and Tony Scott worked together, right? Like, Top Gun, baby. Oh yeah, you're right. That was fucking '82, wasn't it? I think it's a little 80, later than 80. that. The '88, right? That sounds more right. Yeah, '82 <laughs> is way too early. Pretty early. '82 yeah. is probably Risky Business. Cocktail. Yeah, I think Risky Business might be '84. But that's okay. neither here nor there. Um, 86, 86 for Top Gun. Okay, right on, right on. Okay. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Where we were are talking we? About Val. Uh, just a little sidetrack on Val Kilmer, just talking about, I liked him. I liked his presence. I liked that uh, King character. I do content. too. Well, and that kind of leads back to the question of this movie is like, is Slater really unhinged or is that just kind of the, the motif of this thing? I land on it being kind of just the motif in a big Jojo Rabbit way. Elvis is essentially Christian Slater's imaginary friend. That's what's going on here. Totally. So, yeah, it's just like a blast of a movie. I have a few different things that I want to shout out if you're nearing the end of your list, Um, which... they all kind of center on this thing that we've already talked about, which is that this movie is really, really entertaining. And it's a murderer's row, just an entirely stacked cast. So from scene to scene, it's wildly entertaining. And it works in casting and it works in writing and it works in performance. So casting wise, uh, Dennis Hopper as that's my next note with Dennis Hopper. <laughs> it's so good, man. That's inspired so good. casting, and they're both 
given their best to that stuff. The scene that they have outside of the trailer right before he leaves is really, really good. And so good. A few scenes later, you get Hopper and Christopher Walken going. And arguably the best scene of the movie. I mean, and arguably the best scene in cinema. That <laughs> it's up there. It's definitely top two best Tarantino scenes of all time. If you had told it's me... up there with like the opening of Inglorious Bastards. Fair enough. Sure. I mean, put any of them up there. Like, if you had told me nothing about this movie, but that Dennis Hopper had a one-on-one with <laughs> Christopher, Christopher Walker. And I Gandolfini would, in the background. Uh, we're going to get to Gandolfini. We'll get to Gandolfini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so that that scene leads me to a question more broadly about this movie, and then we'll return to the fun stuff. Because the Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Sicilian, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, eggplant and the cantaloupe wine. It's just, it's perfect. 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 (laughs) I think this movie is more, more interested in race than other Tarantino movies where it seems to be a casualty, I'll say, of Tarantino. This movie seems to have some ideas about it, although I don't know really what it's trying to express. Do you have any thoughts? So, specifically for that scene, in my in my head, I don't think Dennis Hopper is racist. I think he's dropping the N-word to irritate Christopher Walken because Italians have been notoriously racist sure. toward so of white people. But I don't feel that's Hopper's character. He doesn't feel like a an outright racist. So maybe that, Hopper knows where he Hopper knows there's no way out. This is the end of his yeah. So he's just going to try and make Walken lose his cool because what else do you have at this point? Mm-hmm. Just let's irritate this guy. Let's stall him a little longer. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the stalling him, sure. Getting a few more miles with Clarence and Alabama in between Walken yep. and Gandolfini. I'll buy that. Um, like I said, for kind of the same reason that I buy – uh the old man you know he's a a white guy who's trying to be black this dude is about to die and he's trying to stall and upset the person who's about to kill him Mm -hmm. okay sure uh but i think it bears mentioning and now we've mentioned it and we can go back to the rest of this movie which i really enjoy and have fewer questions about in 20 so right around that time that dennis hopper's introduced we also get introduced to Michael Rappaport. Yeah. <laughs> going on an addition for the new TJ Hooker. Michael Rappaport is Ernesty, the human being. Yeah. The guy is just like so good at being so good. empathetic. And you kind of, you just root for him, even though you know he's not going to get it. Yep. Uh, but the woman that is auditioning him is. Con, uh, forgive me if I mess up her name, Conchata Farrell. Okay. And uh, when we were in school together, you took the sound class, right? Yeah. 
Arnie, long, long white ponytail. You know, I gotta be honest, I don't know if I took sound in LA. I definitely took a sound class in film school, but I don't think I did it in LA. No, damn. No, because dude, in LA, I was just kind of dropping in on classes. So I was like trying to meet other filmmakers. And so I was going to like the screenwriting classes and the directing classes and just kind of like the history classes and just kind of, you know. That's right, we met in the writing one. That feels right, yeah. Yeah. Kendallman's right, she was pretty rad. Yep, but uh, Arnie, the sound professor. Okay. That's his wife. Oh, Yeah. Oh man, that's kind of funny. Um, do you remember the anthropology professor? He's like the tall, skinny white guy with giant blonde dreads that would walk around that school. Do you remember that dude? No, if I saw him, I probably thought he was a student. <laughs> that's fair. But if you watch <laughs> this, uh, this is so. In, this is really for just the two of us, but. There, if you watch True Blood all the way through and closely, he's an extra in a lot of that series. In a lot of them, very prominently in one season, and I don't remember where it is. So that's just an Easter egg that you can hunt for. But if you see a guy with giant blonde dreadlocks drinking. I shouldn't say that. I'm going to stop right now. We're going to cut <laughs> this whole part out. It's not fair to him. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. Sorry, Back sorry. To, um, the movie Rappaport is amazing. He's auditioning. But uh, what what uh, you were gonna say something before I said Rappaport? Uh, I was gonna skim past Rappaport, so I'm I'm glad that you brought him up because he's great in this movie. He's great all the time. He's um I'll, I'll circle back to kind of all that thing. Okay, yeah, go over what you're going because I I have a like beat by beat kind of how the movie unfolds with just like little things like Brad Pitt popping up. Okay, so that's kind of my last thing, but we'll, so since we brought it up several times already, Gandolfini, it is so good and so scary, even before he starts, like, brutalizing this woman, he's so menacing, and just standing behind Dennis Hopper is terrifying. Because he's a giant human being. Yes. Man, so good to but, uh, him i guess yeah definitely you could and then jump to him and the in the safari in alabama scene man what a uh it's so long it goes like the, on that it's it feels like it's five minutes it feels like it's 10 minutes it, 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 it's definitely five minutes because you jump to clarence like at the uh, driving then you jump back and they're still he's like just getting cheeseburger yeah cheeseburger then talking about the elvis magazine that's in there you jump back and she's uh because she stabs him in the foot yeah well there's the course through and then she's got there's a lot going on that scene we don't need to recount beat for beat the brutality of it but yeah the sliding glass of the bathroom shower after the foot I, I, I couldn't tell you specifically. Yeah, I can't remember at this point. Um, but yeah, so just a very brutal scene. Go ahead. I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up here. Um, I will say this. Uh, well, okay, so before I, I try and sum up, we'll get to Brad Pitt since we brought him up already. Brad Pitt 
is in this movie to talk about how deep the cast is. Brad Pitt is in this movie and he almost never leaves the couch. Now, the one time he does leave the couch, he goes to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Literally every other scene in this movie is him on the couch and yeah. barely saying anything. And he it's was, delightful. He was supposed to be Clarence. I like that movie better. I gotta be honest. Yeah, so he... And Christian Slater is on the couch being kind of like fried, but a little too energetic. Like he's just been, you know, slamming sativa all day long. Like sativa wax. He's just like really <laughs> high, really wired, you know? And Brad Pitt's running around being charming. As, uh, yeah. Why isn't Brad Pitt the lead of this movie? Because he had literally just come off of doing California. And he played a, a psychotic, murderous person in that. And he was like, I don't really want to, like, do anything with the violence, but I want to be this character. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Good idea. Because yeah. it's also dope, since we're doing Made in the 90s, I like that he's actually smoking weed. And so many 90s movies. Out of a little honey bottle. Out of the honey bear bong. Yeah. Love the honey bear bong. Did you ever make a honey bear bong? Never a honey bear bong, but I've had quite a few bongs that were made out of uh food containers okay i was gonna say gravity bongs out of like two liter bottles and stuff dude one time <laughs> or yeah, a liter it's gonna turn into stoner corner but i've right made some gravity bongs <laughs> uh i made a funny note i remember learning this a while back when watching the special features on true romance that uh the scene of them all in the kitchen with Brad Pitt's character and he's got that multicolored beanie on. <laughs> yeah. He found that in a dumpster <laughs> and brought it in as this character. Good for him. Something like that. I could have swore it was something like that. Yeah, that yeah, I mean it tracks, but it also sounds like something he would just say to mess with a publicist or not a publicist but like a no this was on the special features oh uh, this is brad pitt saying this out loud yeah oh, well yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah you know. okay i don't have a ton more i'll try and sum oh, it up dude, to i got say it. That i really I got a ton more oh you got a ton more oh i thought you were i thought you were wrapping up no man we got we're more down, baby we can, we can do it quick so i yeah, just want to throw out through it i want to throw out uh, a little shout out to Bronson Pinchot, okay. who uh, you know who that is in the movie. The you're gonna tell everybody, Dylan. I know that's true. Uh, he's the the assistant to the producer. Oh, he, yeah. The smile that he gives when he says that his whole motivation is to not go to jail, really? and then he just like <laughs> he's good. He, yeah, I do know who you're talking about. And he's great in every scene. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, great, great stuff. Through him, I was like, oh, in the scene of them at Six Flags riding Viper, I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, Viper. What? <laughs> what? Okay, I love it. But yeah. she, she's like, where do we have, or he says, where do we have this meeting? She's like, a roller coaster. Because there's like a commercial for it on TV or something. Yeah, that, it speaks to kind of the last thing that I, I have here which is the cinematic nature of this movie. So run down what you got and, and we'll come back to that. 
Uh, well, I'm just uh, let's see. Alabama is a savage. She's bad, dude. She's a badass. When she's killing Gandolfini is just. And the way she's just like, nah, fuck you, smiling and laughing at him. And yep. honestly, she has you that. You look so stupid. Oh my god, you <laughs> yes, dude. And even when she walks through the door, again, that scene before it erupts into horrible violence is amazing. She walks through the door. She knows what the fuck is up. He's got a shotgun in his lap, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, what's up? You want a cigarette? I'm cool as a cucumber. And he's plays along with her because he knows that she's different because she's fucking different, man. That again, she's a total, like she's not a manic pixie dream girl, but she's just a total manifestation of Quentin Tarantino's. A hundred percent. Consciousness. Right. Yep. Yep. And then I wrote shootout at the ambassador hotel. Rest in peace, Robert F. Kennedy. Because <laughs> he was assassinated there. Yeah. And then my next note is when you know Sicilians load up ammo and guns, you know shit is about to go down. I, my note for that scene is sarcastically, <laughs> those guys need more ammo. They need more ammo. There was so much. <laughs> There's several inserts. I mean, many, several. It's a, an all-timer of a loading up sequence. It's a uh, 90 minutes for that one. Playing the shoot, like the shootout. Like, what a great shootout. So, fucking the yeah. cops come in. They're arguing. Then the Sicilians come in. Everyone starts arguing. Then just gunfire galore shooting and then who the third set comes in right no that's the sicilians that come in and they're yeah, all it's yeah. Sicilian. dude and that then, uh, is so so good and so much fun yep and then chris penn kills the last guy who's like i need an ambulance i need an ambulance there's get a point there where i'm really like oh shit alabama is about to walk with all this dough i thought clarence is down and we got a hero walking off into the sunset alone. Everybody's dead. Nobody knows that's her. That's the original ending. That's what? That's, that's the ending in the script. That's, that's the ending. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just like aggressively clapped my hands to nobody but Dylan. But that's dope because that's the ending of that movie. And it, <laughs> yeah. it, it shows. That, yeah, and that's, that's what it was supposed to be. You know what? Credit to Tarantino because that's a way better ending. That's a way better movie. And... I guess, you know, Tony Scott had to Tony Scott it up. It, it, in that regard, it sort of reminds me of, what's the other? Oh, Natural Born Killers, obviously, right? Where it's the Tarantino script that Oliver Stone did. Yep. And it's a good movie. And it's when that movie, when both of those movies are at their best, it's when they're Tarantino movies and the other guys aren't so much in the way. But Definitely. the other guys are, I really, like I said earlier, Tony Scott might be my actual favorite director. I will still say probably the Coen brothers because I want to maintain credibility in conversations. But honestly, dude. uh, Quentin Tarantino says that Tony Scott is one of his favorite filmmakers of all time. He, every time I put on one of his movies, I just like watching what's what I'm seeing. And uh, with that uh, being the original ending, there's a reference in Reservoir Dogs to Alabama. Oh, really? 
Yeah, Harvey uh, Harvey Keitel's in a meeting with um, the guy that puts uh, everyone together, the, the big old white guy with no hair. Right. Uh, and he's like, whatever happened with that one girl you were going with? And he's like, ah, Alabama, man. She got into, like, she started doing something else with this. So that would have been her life after Clarence's death. Cool. Yeah. 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 That would have been better. Would have liked that a lot. Yep. I, I would have liked yeah. to seen that. I think there, it is shot. There, there's the alternate version on the, the DVD. Hey, this X-Ray is a Blu-ray player, so it might be time for me to, or sorry, X-Ray, Xbox. This, this X-Ray. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, yeah, I would love to see that cut. Definitely. Um, so overall, you dig the movie, though. Overall, I dig the movie. And I'll say this, which is that it is a movie-ass movie. This is like, it, they're all talking about movies. They're all doing movie things. Nobody is a real person. They're all just kind of cliches thrown at each other, you know, in the quippiest, coolest flashiest most exciting oh, direct kind of way damn you with me yep there we go and so where the again the first 15 to 20 minutes i was just like what is this it, it clicked in at some point it was just like oh yeah bring it on and there like we've talked about from scene to scene, when you watch it that way, I guess for lack of a better term, it's like every time you look at the screen, two of the greatest actors you can name doing the coolest shit you can think of. Mm -hmm. So what is not to love about this movie? It's maybe one of the greatest of all time. It's a blast though. Tom Sizemore is in this movie and we haven't even talked about him. We didn't. We we scanned over him and Chris Penn. And Tom Sizemore when he's okay, I'm shouting. I'm going to take it down a little bit because I'm invigorated by the spirit of Tom Sizemore. And when he's listening to the 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 wire on our informant and he's yelling he's like, "Keep it together. Keep it together." <laughs> he loves this movie the way I love this movie. <laughs> He's watching it like it, he might as well have popcorn in that scene. Just <laughs> mashing it into his face. It's such a blast. It, it, it's <laughs> maybe not pure cinema, but, but it's the height of cinema. It's like a really snappy, fun script in the hands of a really fun, capable director. It's a really good looking movie for as much as Tony Scott gets into the kind of, I don't know, it's not HDR, but you know, that kind of like blue or 90s movie, uh, you know, visual space. This thing is restrained and classic and there's like fog machines and neon lights and desert sun, but it not like skip bleach desert sun but like yellow desert it's gorgeous i whatever i'm ranting at this point i really really enjoyed this movie would recommend it to anybody for just like hey have some fun because this movie is a blast all right i just ranted for a long time how do you feel i you know how i feel i love this movie 
Yeah. Uh, I recommend anyone to watch it, rewatch it, uh, watch, listen to the commentaries. They're, they're great. I, yep, 100%. I don't even yep. want to talk about it in context of it being a 90s movie. I'm just glad that it is. I mean, we did a little bit. There's obviously a ton of 90s star, and Tony Scott is one of the 90s powerhouse, but he transcends the 90s, as do does this movie, and yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Cool. So, well, yeah, that's uh, true romance. Yeah, that's true romance. Do a little sign-off here. Uh, I'm Dylan Shore. I'm Kyle Woods. This was made in the 90s.